o'clock. So, fantastic. Good to see you all here today. The faithful flu. Faithful flu? No, <laughs> Freudian slip there, hey? Faithful few. Everybody else off with the flu and what have you. But it's good to see you all today. Now, over the last few weeks, can you believe it's been, we are on the final of our series on we are, who we are, our, our values. It's been 12 weeks. This is the thir- 13th week. No, we did, a, we did an introduction. 11 plus this one. So it's our 13th week. We're into who we are, and this is the last one on the, on the series. And, you know, I think I said when we started this that we, as, as congregations throughout Family Church, are all doing the same series together so that everybody knows who we are again because it's good to do it from time to time, remember what our values are. And I'll be honest, when I was first told we, they wanted us to do this as a congregation, I wasn't over the moon. You know, I thought, yeah, we are, we've done this before, you know. But you know what, there is such power in, in, in submission to, to the greater vision, hey? And I have enjoyed this series so much. I really hope you guys have. I mean, Sandy's done all the heavy lifting with all the preaching. She's done a fantastic job. And it's been, I've really enjoyed it, every one. And because as we've dug into it and you realize that, you know, we have that saying that we, we do what we do because we are who we are. Right? We do what we do because we are who we are. But the things that we value in life form who we are. Yeah? You will follow after. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There your heart will be also. You, so what you value is going to form who you are, and who you are is going to determine what you do. Right? So looking at the value of having values has been really good for me. I think I hope it's been good for everybody. And, and Sandy's done a brilliant job in it. And so we've gone through all of the, uh, the other 11 um, values. Yeah. It's probably safe to say that every time, everyone we went through, we said, now this, this is the most important one for us. We are Christ-centered, or we are, you know, spirit-led, or you know, whatever it was. But I've got to tell you, I'm sorry, this one today is the most important one, all right? <laughs> this is the one. To me, the, today we are talking about empowering. Our value is about empowering today. And in the last three weeks, sorry, the last two weeks, we have looked at, uh, in this order, we've looked at being commissioned, that we are called to go. We've looked at being disciple, that we, are, we were looking at God's intent for you, that is consistent, consistent, continuous growth in your life. And today we're looking at empowering. And, and we've done these three in this order specifically because this really is the mission of Family Church. This is our mission in this order, that we, are, that we, we reach, we grow, and we empower. We reach out, we commissioned to go out and reach out. We, 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 are, we grow, we are disciples who are growing in Jesus and, and we empower and we empower others. That is what we're about. In fact, if you look at any of our church, family, center, family church centers, um, it's Empower Center, Empower Center Portsmouth, Empower Center Heaven, Empower Center. That's what we are, it's who we are. We believe in Power Center and we are going to be in Power Center Waterlooville when we get a permanent home. But for now, we family church work to live all, and we are the best congregation, so stay right here. Okay, cool. So, but empowering. Okay, so today we're looking at empowering. But so, what is empowering? What does it look like? What is it all about? I think the first thing to, to the place to start was to, to, first of all, just back up a little bit and just say, look, understand, let's, before we look at empowering, understand that God has created you for a purpose on purpose. You are not a mistake. You're not just taking up space. You're not just one of the 8 billion people on planet Earth today by mistake. But God has created you on purpose and for a purpose. In Acts 17, verse 26, on the ESV, I like this translation. 
It's fantastic. There's so many different translations out there nowadays, some really good ones. Uh, this ESV, I, I love this. And he says, uh, thank you, well done, Amy. And he says, and he, God, has made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined, uh, the New King James is having predetermined the allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling places. Verse uh, 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel the way towards him and find him, though he's not very far from each one of them. This, this, is, a, this is God's plan and purpose for our lives from, from 3,000 feet. You know, from a high level, plan and purpose for, for mankind and for us. This is, this is God's plan for our lives, that we would reach out to him, that we would find him. He's close by. But, you know, the, the, we are saved by faith. The just shall live by faith. And we, 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 we encounter God by faith. And, and he is there, you know, you might have rec- realized by now that you've never seen God walking down the, the high street wearing a yellow hat. Yeah, but he's there. He's very close to us. And he wants us to reach out to him. He is close. He is near. And that is a desire to, to, to create a drawing power in us that we would reach out for him where he is close. And as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And he has predetermined the times and plan, places of our dwelling. You know, for, for me, I, re, I can still remember the day when I was lost in my sin and just in confusion. And, and that, that, that revelation came, that, 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 that faith came. And I just knew that tomb is empty, Jesus is alive. And I went back to the office where I was working, because the guy that was working with me, sitting at the desk next to me, had been witnessing to me for weeks and weeks and months about Jesus. But one day, walking down the street, it suddenly just dropped in my heart. I just, I don't know where, I just believed that the tomb was empty. I believed Jesus was alive. And I went back to the office and I said, Johan, this is what's just happened to me. What must I do? That was 30 years ago. My life has never been the same since. You, my mother can bear testimony of you. Hey, Sandy? Yeah. She said, if she could meet Johan Farina, she would kiss him for the change that happened as a result of him telling me about Jesus, you know? And, and each one of us have our story. Each one of us were lost without God, living in that mist, that darkness, not knowing the way forward until that faith came and the mist cleared and, and we got newness of life. Salvation is by grace, in the, by faith in the grace of God alone. And our mission, our purpose, our biggest mission in life is to, is to lay hold of God, to lay hold of Him, and to take our place as sons and daughters in the house of God, as mature sons and daughters, to, to take our place in God's house. To, Hebrews says, says it like this, to, to run the race that is set before you, to run with endurance the race that is set before you. And, and you know, before we started this series, we were looking at uh, running your best lap yet. There's a race that is set before each and every one of us that we are to run, and we're to run it with endurance. God is with us, and this is His plan, His high-level plan and purpose for our lives. You are created on purpose for a purpose. So, then coming in more specifically for you and I, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Saved for good, for good works, not saved by good works, right? We are saved for good works. 
the common, the common mistake that, that I think we all make is that we start thinking of these good works that is, that is going to be some event, it's going to be some future event or some future calling that God is, is calling us towards. But, but it's not necessarily so. That's, that's not what it's about. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, look at this. He says, let me have a sip of water. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Work out with fear and trembling. It sounds frightful. But he's not talking about your salvation. That, that was accomplished. Jesus did that. When he, when he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. The, the, the debt is paid in full. It's done. But he's talking about your calling. Work out your calling with God, your, your life on this work, earth. And he says, take it seriously. Take it seriously. Jesus paid an incredibly high price for you and I to be saved. And now we are to be his, 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 his ambassadors on this earth. We are to be his hands and his feet and his mouth. How, how will they believe unless they hear? How, how will they hear unless, unless somebody tells them? And who's going to tell them unless we do? It's up to us. So take it seriously, he's saying. There's a dying and lost world of, yeah, going to hell all around us. And, and we need to take this seriously. Take this call in our lives seriously. It is God who is working in us. Working in us. It's not, it's not behavior modification. It's not about a law. It's not about these, this is what you must do. This is what you mustn't do. But it's God working in us according to his pleasure to do his good works. So like I say, it's not a destination. It's not a special event. But this is to be worked out in our daily lives, where we are today, where you are today, we could work this out. I love what the way Micah says it, Micah 6, verse 8. He says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. He said to, to David the psalmist, he said in Psalm 32 verse 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do you know what? We work out our salvation with God. We, we work out our calling with God, His plan and purpose for our life, by walking in His ways, by walking with Him every day. Not by getting a, a crystal ball or whatever it is, you know, and a, a fortune teller and telling us what the future is and what we need to do, but by walking with God every day. He leads and guides us. When we get so close to him that he can guide us with his eye. I mean, Sandy can guide me with her eyes like, okay, I won't do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I bet back. But, but no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But, but you know what I'm saying? It's when you get so close to somebody that you can know you recognize the look in his eye because you're walking with him. You're walking in his ways. And he leads you and guides you through your daily paths to that place, that good thing that he has for your life. So who we are becoming is more important to God than anything we could possibly accomplish. Who we are becoming. Not even who we are, but who we are becoming. Are we being transformed into the image of Jesus? I like what Joyce Myers, Joyce Myers says. She says, it's about our who, not our do. It's about our who, not our do. It's about who we are. Because how we do things is what matters, not, not what we do, how we do it. What's the attitude? What's the agenda with, what we, with the things we do? You know, the, the do should be an outworking of the who, right? The do, what we do should be an outworking of the do. But... 
This doesn't mean now that we all just sit at home like, like lots of other lazy, well, no, no, okay. But we don't just sit at home, we're sitting at rusty dusties, right? We, I want to get back to that place one day when I, when I go and stand before the Lord, when it's my day, and I want to hear that, well done, my good and faithful servant. But there has to be a, if I, I don't want to hear it just like a, well. No, I want it well done. To, to have a done means I've done something. There has to be a do, right? It's not just a who, it's a do too. Yeah? I mean, there's got to be a do to, be, to get it done. All right? Or else it's just a well. Well, who did you bring with you, Chris? Ah, oh, man, I want to bring people with me. You as wise wind souls, you know? We want to take people with us. We want to be a blessing. We want to leave a legacy behind. So we want to hear that well done. And as we take on the character and the nature of God through fellowship with Him, through time and His Word, through, through time coming together, through time worshipping Him, we take on His character and His nature, and in doing so, we will bear fruit in all seasons. And there are, whatever season we're in, we can bear good fruit. So, you've been created on purpose, for a purpose. That was my introduction. You still with me? Yes. Cool. Okay. So, that was just to say that you have a purpose in life, right? Now we're going to get onto empowering. Okay. So, as pastors and teachers, uh, we have a, our role is to help to equip you. This is where the empowering part comes in, from, from our side. We all have a part to play, but from our side, our part is to empower you, to enable you. In other words, to, to help you, to, to equip you, um, to live out the good purpose that God has for your life, right? And for you, for you and I, to undertake the work of the ministry. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And talking of Jesus, these are called the ascension gifts, um, or the firefold ministry, but Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, there's, there's many scriptures throughout the, the, the Bible that we could look at, uh, at the role of a pastor and what have you, but just a few where Jesus says to, to Peter, do you remember when he restores Peter on the beach after his uh, ascension back, you know, after he rose from the grave? He says to Peter, tend my lambs. He says, feed my sheep. This is the role of a, of a pastor to tend and to, to feed. I like what, what Paul says in Acts 20, 28 from the New Living. He says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. The New King James says, shepherd the church of God. And the ESV says, care for the church of God. So the role of the shepherd in empowering is to, is to tend to the people, to, to feed, to, to even correct at times if necessary, and protect, um, to strengthen, but always, always to build. The purpose is always to build up, not to break down. You know, when Pastor Andy Elms um, commissioned and ordained us to, to um, pastor this church, he gave us one instruction. He said, um, love my people and teach them the word. Love my people and teach them the word. And that, that, is, that is what we have taken as our, as our commissioning instructions to, to Family Church Waterlooville. And the way that that plays out for our congregation is that amongst a lot of other things, it's really doing what it takes to make sure that we can gather together as a, as a spiritual family, that at least once a week we can get together, you can come into a place where there are, there are people of like faith yes. 
who love the name of Jesus, who aren't using the name of Jesus as, as a swear word. You know, the other day, I was talking to a guy, one of the guys on my team. Nice guy, he's done some good work. And, he, and we were talking, and next thing he blasphemed, he took the name of Jesus. I was, it was a shock, it was like a slap on the face, really. I hate it. I, I, it is so nice to come to church amongst you guys where people love the name of Jesus, you know, where we have this, this common faith. And so part of, part of our call is to, to do what is necessary to make sure that we can get together, that we can, we can lift up the name of Jesus, that, that, that we can learn from his word, be, be, grow in the knowledge and the grace of God, worship him together, have this place where, where you know, hey, hold on, more of those that are for us and those that are against us. We are surrounded by a great cloud of, of witnesses. Come on, we are not alone. You might feel isolated and alone when you're in that crazy world out there, but there is a place that is home in the family of God, right? And so that is what the part of what that outworking of that love towards the church looks like. And then there's also an outworking of that into our community. And for us, it's our movie nights, our family, the family movie nights. They're not just movie nights, they're family movie nights. I absolutely love them. I'm so thankful that God laid this on our hearts to do these movie nights, really. We see people coming in here. We've been doing it for about 13 months now, 14 months, something like that, right? 15 months, okay, yeah. But we see people coming in here. So we get here at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Last week it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But we, we, get, we put out the chairs, we put stuff up, and, and, and people come in, they start coming in from about 6.30, and they, they come into an environment where, where they, are, they are greeted by, by the saints wearing their, 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 their family church t-shirts. And, and, and they are made to feel welcome. They, they are welcomed in here. You can see it, that, that people just relax when they come inside, especially the first-time visitors. We've got lots that keep coming back. We've got guys that have been coming since the very first movie. Yes. And they keep coming back. And we've established good relationships with them. And we will see fruit from it in, in time to come. But there's good seeds being sown. But it's so lovely seeing the guys coming in here. And you see people visibly relaxing as they, as they get inside and they realize, hey, these people are, are friendly and nobody's Bible bashing me. And, and, and you mentioned that lady, I won't call out her name, but the other night, um, you're going around offering people teas and coffees. Now, we've laid everything out. Hot dogs are there, the chocolates, the... the the mince pies, the teas and coffees, the cold drinks, the popcorn, the whatever. And then we have a raffle. We, we, we do this, this the, we, we raffle, a free raffle for the hamper. And people are so blessed when they get it. You know, it costs us 20, between 22 and 27 pounds, depending on what goods you buy. And Sandy buys these nice Tesco's finest stuff. And she wraps it up into this box and puts this nice ribbon and everything. It looks lovely. And people are blessed by it. And I don't think it's, it's the value of the thing per se. It's that they got something for nothing. They were just blessed by something on top of the free movie and the welcome and the, 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 the fact that they are made to feel like they're guests in our living room. They're not just, they're not just the community that we've invited into a, into a cold, empty hall with a movie screen up. But there are guests that have come into our living room. And that is the family church philosophy, if you will, that when people come in, they're coming into our living room. They are our honored guests, and we treat them well, and we make sure that we, when they stay, they continued to be treated, not as guests anymore, but as family, but as loved and cared for family. And that is what it's all about. Yeah. This, is how, this is how we empower the, the, the community that are out there that don't yet know Jesus, just to see a little bit of the character and the nature of God. Just, just by being, just, the, just an aspect of God's nature, His kindness 
and his generosity that Sandy spoke about, his goodness and, 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 and his sincere love. You know, we, we do not preach to those people. We do not try and shove a tract in their hand. As much as I'm tempted to, get saved. That's the whole point of the story. But we don't. We've got to stand in our integrity. We invited you to a movie. That's all we're going to do. We're going to bless you until the goodness of God breaks through in your life and you come back and you want to hear the good news. But until that time, we're just going to stand in our integrity and we're just going to do what we said we'll do, as it says on the tin, and no more. But come on, we're praying for these guys. Oh, we've got a prayer tree as well. A tree of hope, Sandy called it. Ah, oh, I love it, man. It looks like something out of Narnia. It looks terrible, right? It's this what spiky thing. But we get people, we give them cards and we say, write out your prayer requests and put them on. And every week we get, well, maybe a dozen, yeah, something up to about 20, I suppose, prayer requests coming through on this thing. But some of them are, some of them are really weird. You know, they, people don't know what prayer is. They don't know what, it's like, whatever. Uh, but some are like really, really heartfelt and genuine. So we, but we pray over those, and we pray over those people putting the things on. But this is what it's about. It's about extending that love to the community to empower them in some way to help them just to get a taste of God, just to get some kind of a taste, some, it's just so there's a terms of reference as to who God just maybe is, just maybe. So that's our philosophy, that, that people are welcome guests and then they become family. Um, we are a Pentecostal church, right? I think I hope you know by now, right? We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. But even, even more so, uh, it's, it's not like we're going to have one or the other, but, but, but what I love to see is the fruit of the Spirit. We, we, we earnestly desire the gifts, but the fruit, th- this is what is so good to see, particularly at these movie nights and when we come together. You know, I've never had anybody say to us, maybe we have one or two, but that was on purpose, who said to us they didn't feel welcome here. There's a couple we, we made feel unwelcome because, well, we had a few wolves in, in sheep's clothing coming in, mm, signed their names on the emails, you know, God's woman of the hour with more power and things like that. Okay, we won't say that. But, you know, but generally, generally, everybody is welcome and made to feel welcome the, with, with the, just the, the fruit of the Spirit and manifestation through our lives. And that is the point of us coming together. You know, if you're walking with God, the, there will be evidence of it. And there is, right? There is evidence. That, that love, that, that joy, that the peace, the kindness, it grows. It's an ever-increasing measure. None of us have arrived, but it's an ever-increasing measure. And as we come together, yes, iron sharpens iron from time to time, and maybe we get down to each other's skin a little bit from time to time. But we're growing in the, in the fruit of the Spirit, and there is, a, there is a... What we have is authentic. It's authentic. It's not real. It's not saccharine sugar, right? It's not saccharine, but it is genuine. It's the fruit of the Spirit being developed among us, and that empowers each of us as we see a bit of the nature and the character of God in word and in deed worked out among us and worked out in the community, those guests that come into the movie night. I'm running out of time very fast, sorry. So, moving on. But this is what you and I bring to the table when we come together. This is why it's so important because I need, I need to see, after being out in the world all week, I need to just to talk to what I consider normal, sane people who love Jesus, who, a, bit of, a bit of kindness, a bit of grace, you know, a bit of goodness. I need, I need each other, I need you, and, and you need each other as well. So, being together, we empower one another by demonstrating in word and action 
the nature and character of God. So we as a church exist to build you up, to empower you by teaching and providing a spiritual home and everything else that comes with it. That's part of it. And our primary role is to enable you to, with your mission in life, that high mission, to, to know God for yourself. You work out the vision for your life by yourself. I mean, we're here to help you and guide you to the Word of God all the time, always pointing you to Jesus. But, but we help you see that, 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 that heart, the purpose of your life, to know God, to know God, to walk with Him. That's what we're here for as a church. That is what empowers you. That's what, that's what helps you to walk out your life because you've got to determine with God what is the vision for your life, what's the vision for this year. And, and you're always going to hit some turbulent times from time to time. You're always going to hit the occasional storm. You need to have that big vision, that, 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 that higher cause for keeping going. And so we are here for you. But our highest call, our highest call, Ephesians, well, actually, we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, I'm rushing home because I'm looking at the time, but I'm not going to. Nobody's in a hurry, are you? Good, good. Okay, cool. I'm going to slow down. So, Ephesians 4.11. We are here to help you by pointing you to Jesus. That is the best way we can help you. Ephesians 4.11 says, as you said earlier, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets and evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, this is the one I want to get to. Until, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are supposed to be growing up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. That is the point of coming together. That is, a, as, as children of God, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You're, you're his workmanship in, but in Christ Jesus. And it is so important that you can see yourself in Christ Jesus. You know, when we fail, and we often do, we often stumble, we, we don't want to be looking back and saying, oh no, oh no, not again, oh no. When we fail, we want to look back and say, no, not oh no, just no, no, that's not who I am. Romans 6.11 says, consider yourself, identify yourself, consider yourself, actually the New King James says, reckon yourself, but ESV says, consider yourself, reckon yourself, dead to sin, but alive to God and Christ Jesus. What do you identify? We need to identify and know that we are in Christ Jesus. We are in Him, and we are no longer that old person. You are a new creation, and you want to, we need to be identifying with who we are in Christ. He, is, he has recreated you in Christ Jesus. Whether you feel it today or not, and the way some of you are looking at me today, I don't think you feel it, right? And that's quite all right. You know what? I am saved not because I feel saved. I am saved because I believe in Jesus Christ and, and the, the Bible told me that when I gave my heart to him, I'll be born again, and I am. It's not because I feel it. I am married, not because, I've got a, because I feel it or because I've got a ring on my finger, but because 25 years ago, 25, 26 years ago, I, we, we both said, I do, right? I'm, but I don't feel it every day. You are in Christ Jesus, and God has put you in Christ Jesus. It's not something you did yourself. You just gave your life to Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus, and you can identify as being in Christ Jesus. You are no longer a sinner who has to sin and fail every time. When you fail, you can say, no, that's not me. I sometimes sin. 
I sometimes fail, but that doesn't identify who I am. I am not a failure. I am not a sinner. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is who I am. This is what empowers me. This is what enables me and helps me to keep going because we are saved by grace through faith, not by law that every time I fail, I've got to get up and flog myself and beat myself until I feel better and then I come back to God. But to, to get up and dust myself off and say, Father, I repent of that. I'm moving forward with Jesus. I am in Christ Jesus and you are in Christ Jesus saved for good works. Romans 8.29 says this, and this is our highest calling, I believe. To be a, we are predestined. Do we have Romans 8.29? For whom he foreknew, Bible says, Romans 8.29, he also, God, predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is your big brother. <laughs> Jesus is your big brother. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He's our Lord and our Savior. We, 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 he's not our buddy. We don't just say, hey, you know, we honor and respect him, but he's your big brother. That is our, you, you are an heir and a joint heir with Christ. You have an inheritance in him. And we are called to be conformed to his image, predestined according to the foreknowledge of God, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. See yourself in Jesus. This is what is going to empower you more than anything else. To be able to see yourself, who you are, the way God sees you. That you are in Christ Jesus. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. So today, but I just want a, a slight different focus on being conformed to his image. And we're going to come into land just now, but, but stay with me, okay? We are called to, be, to become like Jesus, to be conformed to Jesus, to become like him. But today I just want a slight focus on to, to walk in the faith of Jesus. To walk in the faith of Jesus. Jesus' mission on earth was threefold, right? To, to be our saviour, to go to that cross as our substitute and die for, for our sin and failures. He also came to show us an example, to leave us an example. You know the Bible says that the, in the beginning was the word and the Word is with God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus fleshed out that Word, as we say. He lived it out so you could see it not just from, from, from a written Word, but how does it look like when somebody lives it out? Jesus worked out that Word in front of us so as our example we could, we could see how to live this life. And He also came to reveal the Father to us. He came to reveal the Father to us. This is so important, church. You know what? Religion of the day had, had so misconstrued who God was. Although they had the, the written law, they had the written word that had been handed down from Moses and, and from angels, and they, but they so misunderstood God that when he stood before them in the form of Jesus Christ, they crucified him. Religion didn't get it. So Jesus had to come and reveal who the Father is. He came to reveal the Father to us. Now Jesus perfectly accomplished his, his mission on earth. I think you'll agree, right? Jesus paid the price. He, 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 he perfectly accomplished that will. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became a man. He grew from a defenseless infant. I love just a couple of things I just want to point out in the life of Jesus. Okay, so bear with me. Luke 2.52. This is the account when Jesus is a, a, a young lad of 13 and his parents take him up to Jerusalem. And Joseph and Mary lose God. <laughs> it's classic, right? How do you lose God? And so, and, and, and they go back to Jerusalem and they find Jesus and he's in the temple. 
And um, they say, where were you? And he says, don't you know I had to give up my father's business? And, uh, and then he goes back with them. And in verse 52 it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. Jesus grew. You know, he, Jesus had to grow. He, he grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. He lived a disciplined life. You know, 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. He lived a disciplined life. You know, when he went into that wilderness and was tempted for 40, uh, sorry, when, when he fasted, for, first of all, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, nobody, nobody who is undisciplined in fasting suddenly does a fast for 40 days. You try for half a day and see your stomach and tell you, I'm dying, I'm dying. You know, you're not going to go 40 days, really. It's a disciplined life. It's a disciplined person that can go 40 days without food, particularly in the wilderness, right? And at the end of that temptation, at his weakest point, he's about to die. I mean, at the end of it, you'll see God has to send angels to feed him because of, he's at a point of organ failure. He's dying. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. And at that weakest point, Satan himself comes to him with every temptation. That's not just some little demon, but Satan, the, the master of deception. The master of deception comes and says, come on, if you're the son of God, turn those stones into bread. Come on. Behave you, God. Go on, act in your godliness. Do that, do that at his weakest point. You know, if Jesus had have taken that, he, would have, he could have done that. Jesus was always fully God and fully man. He never, he never ceased to be God. Jesus was and always will be God. But he operated on this earth as a man. He was the son of man, right? In order to be our substitute. If Jesus had have turned that, those, those, those out of his own power, his own godliness, had turned those stones into bread as God, you can't represent these people. You can't be their substitute. You can go to the cross, you can do your life, but it's for you, it's not for them, because you don't represent them, because you're God. You can only represent them as a man. Jesus overcame every temptation at his weakest point. Hey? A disciplined, a disciplined life. He devoted himself to the will of God. I love this. This is one of my favorite scriptures, so I've just, I shoehorn it in whatever I can. John 10, verse 22 and 23 talking about Jesus devoting himself to the will of God. And it says that it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. I love it, those two verses. It was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. You know, winter, winter is a time of stripping away, where, there, where there's no leaves left on the branches. There's no fig leaves to hide behind. Everything is stripped away, and all that remains is the bare truth, the truth. And it's a time of dedication, a time of, of truth and dedication. I can, I can just picture Jesus walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade, and it's winter, and it's cold, and he's just wearing one of those robes that they kind of wore in those days, and probably just got sandals on his feet, and it's, and it's just big slabs of, of, of block and concrete, not concrete, but stone, because it's the temple. It would be extremely cold, and he's just walking up and down, praying, muttering. You can see the, the breath coming out of his, you know, the, the mist coming out of his mouth as he, as he prays to the Father. It's the feast of dedication, and he's, he's dedicating himself to the Father, knowing what lies ahead of him, that, that he is going to go to the cross. He's going to pay the price for it, and he's dedicating himself. Everything is being stripped away. It's being stripped away, and he is dedicating himself to the Father and to the will of the Father. He often retreated into lonely and desolate places and to be alone with the Father, to pray. But there's this one thing 
that I want to draw your attention to today, and then we're going to come into land. There's one thing, and this is the Son's testimony of the Father, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. This, this I believe, is Jesus' testimony about his Father, and I'll tell you why. Let this man be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus' primary mission was accomplished on that cross. But how he got there, but how he got there, how he was able to go through that garden of Gethsemane when, when he sweated drops of blood, when the agony of that decision was so strong, how he got there, his testimony, his, his, this I see as, as his testimony of the character and the nature of the Father, that he was able to, that he knew the Father, that he knew the Father so intimately and so perfectly and so well, and, and he knew that the Father's character was beyond reproach, that it was infallible, that he was trustworthy to the point of a death on the cross. What, what greater, what, how could he testify to the nature of the Father in any greater way than actually the death of a cross? To, sh to show you and I, yes, he accomplished the will of the Father, but he also revealed the Father to us. And in, and, and in going to that cross, in, in that ability, that faith and trust to humble himself and to go to that cross proves beyond any shadow of a doubt the nature of the Father, the character of the Father by the one who knew him best, by the one who knows him the closest. I, I really want to encourage you this week. I'm going, to, I'm going to leave it hanging in the air there. I'm going to stop. I want to encourage you this week. As the psalmist said, Selah, pause. Selah, pause. Go away and think about this week. Question, question, how was Jesus able to go to that cross? It must have been, it could only have been because of his knowledge of infallibility of the character of the Father.